Welcome to MoFo Perspectives, a podcast by Morris and Forster, where we share the perspectives of our clients, colleagues, subject matter experts, and lawyers. Hello, and welcome to the Above Board Podcast. I'm David Lynn, a partner at Morrison and & Forster and co-chair of the firm's corporate finance capital markets practice. And I'm pleased to be joined today by two of my colleagues for a very important discussion of the board's role in addressing cybersecurity incidents. I'm joined by Miriam Mugmeister, who's a partner at Morrison & Forster and serves as co-chair of the firm's Global Privacy and Data Security Group. And Alex Iftemi is a partner at Morrison & Forster who serves as co-chair of the firm's Global Risk and Crisis Management Group. And prior to joining Morrison & Forster, Alex held several positions at the Department of Justice. Cyber incidents have been top of mind lately for organizations, and it's been a continuing area of focus and really an ever-present concern today. One of the most important issues that organizations have to address is the role that the board should play when a cyber incident occurs. Miriam, how should board members think about their role in responding to a cyber incident? Thanks, Dave. So basically, the obligations of members of boards in the context of a cyber incident, they're really the same as for any other type of issue. The board has to exercise its fiduciary duty and its primary duty of oversight. And that's true for cyber and true for lots of other issues. What makes the role of the board somewhat different in the context of a cyber incident is really when the board is going to be most active in exercising its fiduciary duty. There's also, just to note, a trend, and we'll talk about this more as we deal with some of the other topics, but there's also a trend that we're seeing where regulators such as the SEC and the New York DFS and regulators in Europe are expecting the board to be more involved in overseeing cyber risk. And so these issues about when the board gets involved are becoming more and more important. But the way we like to think about it is there really are three stages for a board's involvement in an incident, before an incident, during an incident, and after an incident. And the board's most important contribution really is before an incident, followed by what happens after an incident. The board's least involvement, the smallest role the board has, is actually during an incident. And really, why is that? The reason the board is not active during an incident is because decisions regarding what has to happen in the context of an incident happen incredibly quickly. The number of people who need to be involved in those decisions, it has to be a small number and has to be nimble. The facts are changing constantly. And the board, if they become too involved in the activities of management, they might make themselves witnesses in any subsequent litigation. And they can also waive defenses that protect the board. So for those reasons, the board's role during an actual incident is fairly circumscribed. So Alex, what are the things that the board really needs to be doing before the incident ever happens? Thanks, Dave. And it's good to be back on the Above Board podcast. First and foremost, the board has to treat cybersecurity issues like other enterprise risks. And that means they need to exercise oversight. And in the cyber context, I would break that down into three main things. One, they need to understand the risk. Two, they need to ensure that the right governance and oversight is in place. And 
Three is to actually engage in oversight of a company's incident preparedness and response program. So in terms of assessing and understanding the risk, cybersecurity needs to be considered as a strategic enterprise risk alongside other enterprise risks that are on the board's plate. And boards need to be briefed on and understand what are the most significant data security risks to the organization? How do the investments that the company is making in cybersecurity compare to peer companies? The expectation really is that boards will rely on experts, both within the company and external to the company, to help them understand that risk and to understand the market that a company is in and to have that kind of appropriate benchmarking at the ready. Second, boards have to evaluate whether the right governance and oversight is in place. And that really means asking questions like, does management have the right structures in place to measure, govern, assess cybersecurity risk? Is responsibility for cybersecurity issues properly allocated within the company? Are appropriate investments being made in people, in processes, and in technology? And then the third category is is really exercising some of that oversight over the incident preparedness and response processes that an organization has. And that means staying ahead of emerging cybersecurity threats like ransomware or supply chain attacks, asking and understanding whether the company has a well-reasoned incident response plan and whether the board is familiar with the circumstances when an incident like this will be escalated to executive management and the board, and then also conducting some trainings and tabletop exercises and making sure the company has done that and where appropriate involving board directors or having separate exercises for board directors along those lines. A related point that's important is to make sure that the organization is documenting how these issues are being raised to the board, which committees have responsibility for those issues, and documenting when those conversations are had. Because when courts have found boards liable, it is most often because boards have failed to implement a system to monitor performance and compliance over the issue that is the source of the potential liability. I'll just make one more side note here, and I know this is an issue that you've been tracking very closely, Dave. It's worth noting that if the SEC rule on cybersecurity disclosures is adopted next year in a form that is similar to the proposal that came out this year, organizations will be required to disclose, at least though publicly traded companies will be required to disclose, who on the board is responsible for the oversight of cybersecurity risks. Is it the full board, a committee, or or specific individuals? The process by which the board is informed about cybersecurity risks and the frequency of those discussions, and also whether and how the board considers cybersecurity risks as part of its overall business strategy, risk management, and, and financial oversight. This is all part of what we see needs to happen as part of business as usual. And so those are the things that are important before an incident ever hits. Miriam, what sort of things should the board be doing during and then after an incident occurs? That's a great question, right? Because we said before, right, that the role of the board is narrow, but it's not non-existent. So it's good to think about those issues too. So one way to think about it is what does the board not do? But the board is not going to be the one to decide whether or not the company should contact law enforcement or whether or not regulatory notices need to be made or whether or not notice needs to be sent to individual consumers or employees. 
or really even whether or not to pay a ransom. Those are all decisions that are made by management. But there are key questions that the board should be asking during an incident. The board should be making sure that they are getting informed at an appropriate cadence so they can ask questions. Are we getting informed often enough? Are we getting the right level of information that the board needs so that they can exercise their oversight obligation? Are they satisfied that management has the right experts lined up to help? You know, that is one of the key things that boards can do is making sure that management has the help that they need so that management can make all those really hard decisions. And does the board understand its role in communicating or not communicating the incident? So it's often very important to make sure that the board understands whether they should be or should not be responding to questions from the public or from the press. Again, the main reason to keep the board's role limited is to make sure that the board members don't become witnesses and are not dragged into litigation and that there's no waiver of the defenses that are there to protect a board that acts in good faith. That's really sort of the sum and substance during an incident. So then your second question, Dave, was what should you do after an incident, right? That's the third bucket. And after an incident, the board should be asking key questions to make sure that the board is confident that the right steps have been taken to fix any issues that were identified as part of the incident and to make sure that the right level of resources, whether that's people or money or technology, are being put in place to remediate any of the issues that were discovered. So the kinds of questions that they can be asking is, did management conduct an appropriate expedited review and brief the board about the findings? Did the incident suggest gaps or vulnerabilities? Is there a plan to address those gaps and vulnerabilities? Are any continuing impacts of the incident mitigated? So again, the kinds of questions to make sure that whatever surfaced during the incident, that those are getting appropriately addressed by management with the right people, the right resources, and the right technology. And Alex, one topic that comes up frequently these days is exactly how the board should go about organizing themselves around cybersecurity oversight and where exactly the responsibility for cybersecurity incidents should sit within the board structure. What sort of trends are you seeing in that area? Dave, it's a good question, and it's an area that is evolving. It's been evolving over the last few years, and I think it will continue to evolve as organizations adapt to the new SEC rules that are likely coming. So traditionally, the plurality of organizations, if not the majority of organizations, put responsibility for cyber issues to the audit committee. And that, of course, makes sense because some of the key questions organizations need to address are the financial impact of an incident on an organization and whether the incident was the result of failures of internal controls. Those are typical questions within the purview of the audit committee. But at the same time, one of the tensions of having the audit committee at the helm for cyber incidents is that the audit committee typically is not where the most tech-savvy cybersecurity experts who are directors are likely to sit. The, the audit committee is typically comprised of directors with a strong accounting or audit background. And I should add, one of the requirements of the proposed SEC rules is to disclose the cybersecurity expertise of board directors if there are board directors with that type of expertise. And although it's not a requirement for organizations to install such a director, I think a lot of companies at the margins are going to be 
thinking about those rules and thinking about whether it makes sense for them to bring on someone who has cybersecurity expertise. And as organizations think about which committees to put that director on or multiple directors on it, it may not make sense for that to be the audit committee. And at the same time, over the past few years, even leaving aside these proposed SEC rules, we've seen companies, particularly in the technology sector, who have started to develop standalone committees to address technology issues or risk issues more broadly. So, for example, some organizations choose to have a risk committee that addresses all non-financial risk, including cybersecurity issues. This structure makes it easier for boards to think about risks to the enterprise holistically, and it also makes sense to think of cybersecurity as a component of other risks. And that structure also ensures that the board can think about a risk management framework and risk policies in a way that is consistent across different areas of risk. And that is a benefit of that kind of structure as well. Some organizations choose to have technology committees and think about technology issues holistically, both how to drive technological innovation, but also how to keep those technology resources secure. And in other cases, we've seen organizations that have developed more focused committees focused on cybersecurity and data privacy issues to really focus on the cyber threat landscape, on major cyber incidents, on business continuity plans and key regulatory developments in that space. And I should add, too, that certainly there are permanent standing committees that boards have along these lines. But in some cases, we've also seen organizations develop these kinds of cybersecurity committees on an ad hoc basis to respond to an incident or to a crisis that the organization is dealing with, and to have a committee convene for a set period of time and to drive change quickly in the aftermath of an incident, and then to give that authority back to the full board or the audit committee or some other committee where it makes sense to seek that authority. And Miriam, Alex had mentioned the SEC's efforts to require more disclosure around the board's role in cybersecurity governance. What are other regulators doing in this regard in terms of focusing on the board's role in cybersecurity? That's a great question, because of course the SEC is not going to be alone in doing this activity and, and regulating in this space. So we're actually seeing a growing number of regulators provide guidance or issue consent decrees that really at heart require more activity by boards in the context of cyber. So the regulators really are looking for the boards to be more involved in a number of the ways that Alex mentioned, but here are just a few examples. Recently, the Federal Trade Commission, as part of a consent decree in a case, required that the board create specific committees in the context of an incident and required that that committee take on specific roles in oversight of the cybersecurity posture of the organization. New York DFS, the New York Department of Financial Services, they have proposed regulations. And if those go into effect, the CISO would be obligated to report certain things directly to the board, including material cybersecurity issues and major cybersecurity events, which are not defined yet, but that would be a very big change. Expertise and knowledge of the board about cyber or whether or not the board are advised by cyber experts will have to be disclosed. And the board will have to approve a cybersecurity policy. Again, 
very big change in terms of what the board is going to be mandated to do if those regulations go into effect. But it's not just the U.S. We are seeing sort of similar changes in Europe. So for example, the European financial regulators have just passed the Digital Operational Resilience Act. That's going to take about 24 months for organizations to implement the rules under that. But that includes rules that boards have sufficient knowledge and skills regarding cyber, and that they also receive regular training on cyber issues. We also are seeing some EU member states, such as the Netherlands, articulate that cyber is one of the top risks for organizations, and thus the boards are expected to address cyber in their regular oversight and governance obligations for significant risks for companies. So there's a lot of interest in this area, and we expect to see more and more regulations regarding what the boards are expected to do. Alex, how do you think boards should be thinking about cybersecurity as a component of their overall ESG program and corporate disclosures more generally? So as as the concept of ESG disclosures has become more commonplace, there's been a recognition that cybersecurity needs to be part of that discussion. It is certainly part of the social and governance pillars of ESG, cyber incidents, Um, can disrupt business operations, they create legal and regulatory risk and reduce company valuations. Investors and third parties likewise have been pushing for more robust cybersecurity disclosures. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that we'll be convening an event next month on the intersection of cyber and ESG with our colleague, Suze McCormick, and where we're going to dive into some of those issues in a little more detail. But the basic framework is, first and foremost, You start with what's required. And then second, what is consistent with an organization's values and the expectations of its stakeholders? In terms of those mandatory requirements, as we've discussed, the SEC cybersecurity rule that's been proposed will create a minimum baseline of cybersecurity disclosures for publicly traded companies. And even today, absent that rule, the SEC's interpretive guidance related to cybersecurity emphasizes that companies have an obligation to disclose material cybersecurity events. Similarly, there are rules, as Miriam mentioned, in Europe that may require similar disclosures in the future. In terms of voluntary disclosures, there are a variety of organizations out there that that have established standards and go-bys for what data security disclosures can look like. These are organizations like the ISSB, and their SASB standards, as well as the IFRS, Sustainability Disclosure Standards. And these standards have often focused on disclosures of the number of data breaches that an organization has, the percentage of those breaches that involve personally identifiable information, the number of individuals that are affected by these incidents. In the UK, The Financial Reporting Council just put out a new report on digital security risk disclosures, which makes recommendations on the type of information that should be disclosed across a company's data security strategy, governance, risks, and events. But there are also challenges in how to make these kinds of disclosures and in getting to a place where these types of disclosures are more commonplace. First, these kinds of forward-looking analyses of organization cybersecurity risk they're really hard to quantify and to compare with another organization. 
And second, you know, regulatory risk exposure is challenging to compare across jurisdictions because there are different laws and regulatory frameworks. And so it's not comparing apples to apples. And third is that companies are still hesitant to disclose sensitive information about their cybersecurity practices in past incidents. And so we haven't yet gotten to a place where these types of disclosures happen consistently across the board. Well, thank you very much, Miriam and Alex, for providing all of these insights on what is a very important topic for boards today. Please make sure to subscribe to the MoFo Perspectives podcast so you don't miss an episode. If you have any questions about what you heard today or would like more information on this topic, please visit mofo.com slash podcasts. Again, that's mofo, M-O-F-O dot com slash podcasts.